I don't know about you, but I love being a part of a church that puts on incredible events like Night to Shine. Thanks to everybody who came out, served, who donated something. It took so much manpower, woman power to pull that event off, and we're just grateful to be able to host that uh, for some great people in our community. Um, I also don't know about you, but uh, I've never done anything that I would describe as melting my face off, uh, like Caleb <laughs> talked about earlier, but it sounds like he had a good time, so that's, uh, that's good. As I mentioned earlier today, it is Scout Sunday. And uh, in, right after the, they did the prayer to begin with, I had to go and make a note of something. So I went to the choir room and I saw this sitting on the, the table of the choir room, <laughs> not to be outdone. The Girl Scouts just put the cookie saying, don't forget about us. Well done, well done, Girl Scouts. My love can be bought. And uh, <laughs> the, the Samoas, that's the way to it. So let me pray and then we'll uh, dive into our sermon. God, thank you for your love and your grace that is revealed to us um, fully and thoroughly through Jesus, fully God and yet fully human, came to live amongst us, experience the good and the bad of this life, the hurts, the pains, the disappointments, the joys, so many things that we experience every single day. And because of that, he's able to relate to us. He knows what it's like to live this life. And Lord, I just pray that today as we um, uncover this and unpack it just a little bit more about why, why does this even matter that Jesus was fully human? Lord, I pray that our hearts will be open to you to what you want to teach us. <clears throat> Lord, my prayer is that yours will be the first voice and the only voice that we hear because God, you love us so much and you want to speak to our hearts now. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but um, our country seems to be divided on a few things. <laughs> there seems to be a lot, of, a lot of things that we're just like arguing over pretty much anything and everything. You watch the news, scroll through social media, it won't take long to realize that people are drawing sides on really, really important issues. Debates are raging all around our world. And it, and it just makes me miss like those simpler days when I was a kid and the only thing that me and my friends would debate about is which is better, Nintendo or Sega? Of course, it's Nintendo. Uh, you know, we're going to get together and play this afternoon. What are we going to play, football or basketball? Basketball, of course. What do you want to listen to, Vanilla Ice or MC Hammer? I'm like, why do you have to choose? Listen to both, you know? You can't go wrong with a little Ice Ice Baby and uh, Too Legit to Quit. Um, one of those arguments and debates that, that, that you know, it was sure to, to cause like a heated debate, uh, something that was, that was guaranteed to stir the pot is this question, and it's one that still stirs the pot even today, and the question is this, which superhero is better, Batman or Superman? I'm hearing, I'm hearing, okay, all right, I haven't done this with any other service, but you guys, audience participation is fun. So raise your hand if you say Superman. Okay, all right, raise your hand if you say Batman. Hey, Superman people won now. Hold, keep that in mind, keep that in mind. <laughs> because here's, here's how the argument goes. On the one side, you have Superman people who point to all of his superhuman powers. You know, he, he has, um, is able to um, run faster than a speeding bullet and leap over tall buildings in a single bound. He can fly. I mean, how awesome is that? He can fly. Uh, he's got superhuman strength. 
And so Superman people point to Batman people and they say, you know, Batman's not really a superhero. He's just a super rich guy with really cool toys. And Batman people are like, yeah, that's what makes him so awesome. That what makes him better than Superman because he does the exact same things as Superman without the superhuman powers. <laughs> I just got my first amen here. That's awesome. <laughs> so just for fun, I, I ran a little Facebook poll to see what my, uh, my friends thought. And opposite of what the 11 o'clock service thinks, two thirds of them said that Batman is better than Superman. Yeah, whatever. I love this. I, I lean a little bit more towards Superman myself and Alex Smith, our youth minister down at the Bedford campus, and he said, I think this may affect our work relationship. <laughs> so like some people just really take it that seriously. And some of you are thinking, what in the world does this have to do with Jesus? And some of you are thinking, this is the coolest church service I've ever been to. But I've got a point, and here it is. <laughs> My second amen. Awesome. Today is going really good. <laughs> Here's my point. You know, it's fun to think about which superhero is better. And I think what we do oftentimes when we, when we like relate which one is better, we, we like imagine ourselves being in that person's shoes, like being able to have those powers and be that person, um, even if it was just for a day. And we would all love to know what it's like to be Batman or Superman or Wonder Woman who would probably beat them all up. And it's fun to think about that, about what it would be like to be a superhero for a day. But we know like that's not going to happen, right? I saw a meme go through Facebook uh, a while back that said, you know, there's so many billionaires in the world and not one of them um, are Batman yet. So we know like it's not going to happen. We're not gonna be a superhero because we're just human. And a lot of us, we adopt that exact same attitude when it comes to walking as Jesus walked. We think there is no way that I can walk as Jesus walked because Jesus is God in flesh and I'm me, like I'm not. See, when we look at how Jesus lived, it's easy for us to think that he had the upper hand in everything. That being fully God, we feel like Jesus had gifts and abilities and access to resources that we don't have access to. That he was able to, to play the God card when times got tough, when things become, became uncomfortable or, or difficult. And so it's easy for us to, to think that, yeah, you know, Jesus was human, but he's not human like me. He's not really human like, like I am. He can't relate to my struggles, my fears, my doubts. He can't relate to my weaknesses, my bad days. I mean, after all, Jesus went around healing people, doing miracles. I'm going to spend my afternoon doing laundry. <laughs> we, we go to work in an office. We get stuck in traffic. We're trying to raise kids or grandkids. And oftentimes we wonder if we're doing anything right. So we look at our life and we compare it to how Jesus lived his and, and we begin to lose confidence that we'll ever be able to walk as Jesus walked. And for those of us who are followers of Jesus, that belief creates a, a little bit of a dilemma, especially when we come to scriptures like what we looked at last week. 1 John 2, 6 says this, whoever says he abides in him, it's anyone who says that I'm a follower of Jesus, I found my rest and my salvation in him, Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way 
in which he walked. So being a Christian, being a follower of Jesus means that we walk with Jesus. But according to this scripture and, and many others throughout the New Testament, it also means not only do we walk with Jesus, but we walk as Jesus walked. So many of us, we read a scripture like this and we think, there is no way that I can live up to that. So we shrink away from the challenge. We lose confidence before we even begin. We feel like those types of scriptures are just setting us up for failure. And we think there's no way I can walk as Jesus walked. So as we continue our series this morning called Walk Like Jesus, we're asking what I think is a pretty vital and important question before we take any more steps forward in this series. And the question is this, how real is your Jesus? How real is your Jesus? In other words, are you trying to follow the real Jesus or are you following some superhuman version of Jesus that honestly we don't even find in scripture? How real is your Jesus? And I think the confusion happens because scripture teaches that, that somehow, some way, Jesus is both fully God and fully human, that at no point Jesus ceases to be any more than fully God and fully human. It's one of the great mysteries of the Christian faith. How can that be so? So we, we read scriptures all the time that teach about the full divinity of Jesus. Colossians 1.15 says the Son is the image of the invisible God. John 14.9 says anyone who has seen me, Jesus says, has seen the Father. In Titus 2.13, we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hebrews 1.3, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. And then finally, Colossians 2.9, in Christ, all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. And so there's no doubt that the New Testament authors believed that Jesus was fully God. Jesus himself claimed that he was fully God. And when people would worship him as God, Jesus did not do anything to deter them from it. He didn't try to correct them. But what about his humanity? And why does it even matter that Jesus was fully human? If you have a Bible or a Bible app that you like to use on your device, I invite you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2, hold it there. We have some pew Bibles in front. If you want to pull those out, get into the word with us. Uh, we also will have the, the words up on the screen. Hebrews chapter 2. You know, I think for many of us, when it comes to talking about this, you know, Jesus being both fully God and fully human, for a lot of us, we find it a little bit easier to, to believe that Jesus was fully divine. We, we, we believe and, and we find it easier to accept, and we accept both of them by faith, but we, we find it easier to accept Jesus' divinity than, than we do to accept his full humanity. But when Jesus walked this earth, it was actually the exact opposite it was the exact opposite. And in fact, even his own family, there were times that we read throughout the Gospels that even his own family looked at him and were like, hey, Jesus, aren't you just taking this a little bit too seriously? Like, man, you need to back down a little bit with some of these claims that you're making. And I think one of the reasons why they did that is because they saw his humanity. Like they knew that Jesus was born to an ordinary woman. They watched him grow and develop physically and 
intellectually. They saw Jesus make mistakes. I mean, some people have Jesus so elevated due to his humanity that they forget about this very important part of his humanity. Jesus made mistakes. And you may think, well, Jesus was perfect. He, he, was, was, he never sinned, and, and you're right, but not all mistakes are sin. Not all mistakes are willful or unwillful disobedience to God. And I'm sure that just like you and me, Jesus made plenty of mistakes in his life. Neil and I were talking about that in between uh, the first and second service. He's like, you know, just imagine Jesus building his first piece of furniture and looking at it and going, all right, let's just burn that one and start again. <laughs> because he's human. He's human. He made mistakes. Throughout the Gospels, which are the accounts of Jesus' life, we read that Jesus got hungry. He got thirsty. Jesus got tired and slept. He took naps. I mean, how awesome is that? Jesus took naps. You want to walk like Jesus? Go take a nap this afternoon. And if somebody asks you, what are you doing? Just be like, I'm just applying what I learned in church this morning. <laughs> Jesus got angry at times. He got annoyed. The shortest passage in all the Bible probably reveals as much about Jesus' humanity as any other passage. John eleven thirty five. 35. Jesus wept. And how many of us can relate to that? You're here this morning, you've lost a friend, you've lost a loved one, you feel incredibly alone and isolated, and you're weeping. Maybe you have tears coming down, maybe you're just crying on the inside, but you are weeping. The humanity of Jesus teaches us that he is weeping with you because he knows pain. Jesus was fully human. He was tempted and tried. He struggled and suffered. He had good days and bad days. He had days where he had headaches. And I'm sure there were mornings he woke up and his back was sore. He knew what it was like to be despised and rejected, to be lied about and falsely accused. Jesus was fully God and fully human. And attempting to reconcile these two truths, theologians throughout the years have adopted a variety of, of, of phrases to, to try to help. They've, they've said things like, never less than God. Jesus chose to live his life never more than human. So he never gave up any piece of his divinity and he never chose to live more than human. His deity was unexpressed so that his humanity could be fully expressed. Jesus became like us so that we can become like him. And all of these things fight against the thought that Jesus somehow was able to skate through this life just a little bit easier than what you and I can. And so he doesn't really understand the, the pains and the struggles that we go through. But then we get to scriptures like Hebrews chapter two, and probably no scripture pushes up against this more or, or gives the reason for Jesus' humanity more than Hebrews chapter two. Look at it with me, starting in verse 14. This is what the author writes. He says, since the children have flesh and blood, he, Jesus, too, shared in their humanity so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. 
For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest and servants to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. The author of Hebrews says that, that Jesus shared in our humanity that he was fully human in every way. And I think that, that the author emphasizes the humanity of Jesus because he's writing a letter to a group of people who are getting discouraged. He's writing a letter to a group of people who are struggling to hang on to their faith. They were being persecuted for their faith and they were wrestling through all sorts of, of doubts and feelings of disappointment. Maybe you've been there before. Maybe you're there this morning. And you're struggling through it. If so then you know where the, the people in Hebrews are coming from. They have this, this disappointment and disappointment can be defined as unmet expectations. We have expectations that someone or something is going to happen in a, in a certain way or act in a certain way. And when reality doesn't meet up with those expectations, we feel a sense of disappointment. And oftentimes we have these expectations that Jesus is going to work and move in a way that Jesus is like, I've never agreed to those expectations. And yet we've, we find disappointment I think a little bit of that is what the original readers of Hebrews were experiencing. They, they were wondering why they're still experiencing difficulties and problems. They were feeling a disappointment with Jesus. They were expecting something to be different. And now they were close to just giving up. But throughout the book of Hebrews, the author carefully and compassionately points them and us to the humanity of Jesus as being foundational to our faith. And I think he does it for a couple of reasons. Number one, the full humanity of Jesus gives us a reason to have hope. We read it right there in our text. The humanity of Jesus gives us a reason to have hope, not just in this life, but also for the next. So we have hope that Jesus' death, his real human death, defeated death and the one who holds it. And for those of us who have placed our faith in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, we no longer live in fear of our greatest enemy because we have the hope and we have the promise of eternal life through Jesus. We are no longer held in bondage to the fear of death because Jesus, fully human, died for us so that we can have eternal life. It's not just eternal life that we hope for. The humanity of Jesus also gives us reason to have hope for today in the midst of our hurts and our pains and our struggles and the challenges of life. The humanity of Jesus gives us hope that he empathizes with our pain. He knows what we're going through because he went through it too. We do not walk through this life alone with a God who is unable to empathize with us. He can because he's experienced it. A little boy woke up in the middle of the night, one night to a, to a violent storm. The rain was beating up against the window. Thunder was cracking. Lightning was shooting across the, the sky. 
And terrified, the little guy cried out to his mom, 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 mom. And the mom hollered back from her room, don't worry, God is with you. Another crack of thunder, the boy hollered again, mom, mom. Again, she replied, don't worry, God is with you. After a few moments, the little boy said, I know that God is with me, but right now I want someone with skin on. <laughs> Man, we, when we go through that in life, right? Like there are times we want to know that someone knows what we're going through. We want to know that we're not alone, that someone can empathize with us. It's one of the greatest gifts that God has given us, the ability to empathize with others. And Jesus came to us with skin on. He knows our hurts and our disappointments because he experienced them for himself. That's why the author says in, in verse 18, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Listen to me. Jesus suffered for us so that he can suffer with us. Jesus suffered for us so that he could suffer with us as we go through this life. So the humanity of Jesus matters because it gives us hope, not just for this life, but also for the next. It also matters because it gives us an example to live by. See, as the church, we are the second incarnation of Christ. The church, we are the body of Christ. We are now God with skin on to this world that we live in. And we continue the ministry of Jesus, made alive through the power of the Holy Spirit to bring light into a broken and hurting world, to bring peace and joy and confidence and hope to those who do not have it. We live by the example that Jesus gave us and we do it in our homes and in our places of work. We do it in our community. We do it with our one life. And here at Sherwood Oaks, we have so many incredible, faithful examples of both men and women who live and walk as Jesus lived and walked. And they shine as an example of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. As we wrap up today, I want to take just a moment to recognize two of them. Over the last 25 years, Roger and Wanda Clark have served faithfully at Sherwood Oaks Christian Church, but more importantly, they have shown us what it means to walk as Jesus walked. Would you help me welcome them to the stage this morning? kind of like you guys. <laughs> We're going to miss you as you transition. Uh, Roger, as uh, um, we, yeah, kind of just get into this, tell us a little bit about what the Lord's been doing in, in you all's life and where he's leading you. Well, back in the summer, uh, I announced to the staff I was wanting to transition out of my leadership role here. It was time for somebody younger with a lot more energy to take <laughs> that on. And I had been working in 
identified Jeremy as the perfect candidate. And so he and I have been walking together since uh, summer, and he is more than ready to go. And uh, I sort of passed it all over to him in January. But you know, as I was thinking about that, even in the summertime, I thought, man, what am I going to do with myself? I am a boring person. I have no hobbies. I have no life. Uh, it's always been a part of the church. And so I began to just ask God what he wanted me to do next. And, uh, you know, the game show network is not something I want to sit around and watch. So uh, I happened to find an opportunity uh, for ministry back where we started in the St. Louis metro area. And uh, I will, we will be going there. In fact, I've been there a couple of days already uh, just to get used to the place. Uh, I'll be working with their small groups. And that was one of the things that I started with when I began here the, uh, in 1993, working with music and small groups. So I'm kind of restarting back where we began ministry in 1975, as well as restarting when, when we uh, actually began our ministry here with groups. So that's what we'll be doing for a while. That's great, man. That's great. Now, ministry in, uh, in St. Louis um, has a little bit of a perk. Why don't you share that with us? Well, many of you would know if you've ever seen my office that I'm a lifelong St. Louis Cardinal fan. And as we lived in St. Louis uh, for those many years, I took advantage of the ball games as much as possible. And I learned that the Cardinal organization, because they're just such a great organization, provides a clergy pass for the, the ministers in the area, they can take a friend and themselves to almost any game they want, as long as there are seats available. So, hey buddy, I just want to <laughs> let you know, we're really going to miss you, and I'm available anytime. Yeah. So <laughs> when I learned of that, I said, you know, this must be God's will that we go. <laughs> um, Wanda, it's the last service. Are you sure you don't want to say anything? I'm positive. Okay. All right. <laughs> Well, we love you guys. Uh, we are going to miss you. We're excited about this next opportunity, uh, but know that as you go, you have left your mark, not just at Sherwood Oaks, but in our community, and you're going out um, with, our, with our love. So let's pray for Roger and Wanda. Lord, thank you so much for this couple. Thank you for how they have walked so faithfully with you, and they have been an example for us, your church, of how to walk as Jesus walked. Lord, my prayer is that you will just go before them and give them peace and grace as they make this transition. I pray that as uh, Roger starts uh, this new ministry, as Wanda gets engaged in the community, you will help them to form friendships quickly, uh, friendships that feel like family. Um, Lord, we are just uh, so grateful for them and uh, the legacy that they have left, the imprint that they have left here at Sherwood Oaks. And uh, we send them out now uh, with our love and our gratitude for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys. We give them. And there are some people who, who come into your life at times and you wonder, okay, Lord, what, what, what is that about? Roger's been one of those guys for me. Um, as long as I've known Roger, which well predates before I came on staff at Sherwood Oaks, Roger has always been a minister to me, I remember several times when we were serving out in Rhode Island, uh, coming back to visit some family and just connecting with Roger over a cup of coffee. And I've just long appreciated him, um, his heart for the Lord, his love for people. And uh, we're, we're really going to miss him here at the church. Uh, after this service, we're going to have a reception for them uh, down in our fellowship hall, just down at the, the end of the other side of the church. love for you to stop by, um, tell them thank you for their years of service. Again, 25 years of faithful service. Give them a hug. Uh, we have some envelopes that are out there if you want to give a little financial gift to them. I know that they would appreciate that as they transition. 
Let me wrap up with, with this. Jesus came into our world fully human in order to show us how to live fully human. How to live fully human the way that God designed us to live before sin and brokenness entered into this world. And we started chasing after anything and everything to try to fill that gap and that void. Jesus shows us how to be fully human. And he invites us into a relationship with him and to walk as Jesus walked. He had a humble attitude of submission to the Father. He had a regular practice of being still and praying. He studied scripture. He lived in community. He worshiped and relied on the Holy Spirit to lead, guide, and direct him. And over the next several weeks in this series, we're going to be exploring these parts of the humanity of Jesus and how we can begin to live those out as we walk like Jesus walked. But what does this mean for us today? I think it just depends on where we are in our faith journey. If you're here this morning and you're seeking Jesus, if you're just trying to figure out what you believe, you're not quite sure that you believe all of this, but you know that there has to be more to this world than what you've just experienced so far, and you're looking, I want you to know as you are seeking Jesus, Jesus is seeking you. He loves you with an unending, undying love. He desires a relationship with you. He wants to come alongside of you in your hurts and your pains and your struggles so that you know he does not walk. You do not walk alone. So maybe your next step is to place your faith in him, knowing that not all of your questions are answered. That's what faith is. Knowing that not all of your questions have been answered, but you place your faith in him and you identify with him in his death, burial, and resurrection through baptism. Maybe for you this morning, that's your next step. If you're a follower of Jesus, maybe your next step is just to be intentional about following the example that Jesus left for us. Getting into people's lives to to point them to the Lord, being being the the, the incarnation of, of, of God to them, being Jesus with flesh on to them. If you don't have a one life, maybe finding one person who's not yet a follower of Jesus that you can develop a friendship with, that you can discover their story, get to know them, love them, and discern what their next step is in faith to know Jesus. And do it with love and respect and show them the love of God with skin on, just as Jesus did for you. If you're not sure where you are, we've got a great resources that we're making available to you um, through this series and the rest of the year. It's called the Like Jesus app. There's more information about it in your bulletin. It's a great tool to help you discover where you are in your faith, but more importantly, what your next steps are to continue to grow in your discipleship journey to be more like Jesus and then to turn around and make disciples who are following Jesus. And so take advantage of this resource. There's an assessment in there, and then it'll point you to some great tools to help you take your next step of faith. Wherever you are this morning, and my prayer is that we have this desire in our heart to walk and to live more as Jesus each and every day so that the world around us can know that, man, we don't have to live in fear. We have hope. We have hope. And that Jesus is with us wherever we are and whatever we go through in life. Would you stand with me as I close this off in a word of prayer? Father, I'm grateful for your love to us demonstrated by sending Jesus 
Jesus, fully God and fully human, shows us what it means to live in the way that you intended us to live, to walk in the way that you intended us to walk before sin got into the picture and muddied it all up. Lord, I pray that our desire will be to walk by that example, not out of some religious obligation, but because we know that that's where the abundant life is found. And not only do we want to find that abundant life, but we want others to find it and experience it too. To know the love and the grace of a heavenly father who is with us and for us. So for the person in here this morning who's struggling, who maybe feels like they're walking alone, who wonders if any of this is true, but man, they hope in their hearts that it is. God, would you meet them where they are and as a loving father, show them your love, your presence, give them courage to take their next step of faith, even if that is just placing their faith in you. Father, for those who are a little bit further along in their journey, maybe feel stalled, may feel stuck, help them, Lord, motivate them to know that this life that you call us to is abundant. It's so much more than just what we do on Sunday mornings and a little prayer here or there. It is a full surrender of everything we are and everything we are becoming to be more like Jesus there's so much joy and satisfaction when we do. So God, wherever we are today, help us, motivate us, challenge us, spur us on to take our next step in faith with you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we close, if you'd like to talk to someone about your next step of faith, about baptism, if you just need some Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can view any message from the past six years at socc.org messages? You can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv.